This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Spoken to Ollie, um, I felt that was important because, um, yeah, the best way for us to communicate is always directly. So um, we had a really good chat uh, last week. Um, I think that we're actually on a similar page on a lot of things. You know, the idea of looking after young players is very important, how we develop them. Um, I think the only thing that there was probably a misunderstanding was that we did have contact from the club regarding all of their players. They were still in Europe. They wanted to know whether there would be dispensation for the clubs that were still in Europe. That was understandable because it was a very difficult um, situation for Manchester City, Manchester United, Wolves, Chelsea. Um, but because we had four clubs in that situation and then the knock-on of what that would mean for the other clubs, we just couldn't help that. So we didn't get an individual request regarding Mason. Um, but as I said, we've talked it through. Um, we, we're very much on the same page. We, we want to look after the young players. That's, that's absolutely, I think we've done that well over a period of time. We've given them opportunities, but I hope we've looked after people and we'll continue to do that. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. England boss Gareth Southgate uh, speaking about the country's use of young players. Rather long-winded way of saying that he's dropped Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood from the latest squad, if you ask me. On the ball, with me, Ross, and my special guests for the evening, Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Good to have you, Bob. Arvin Sidhu is also here. Hello, Arvin. Hello, everyone. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. You, you, you're wearing a white shirt, but that's as close to Leeds as we're going to get. Uh, Craig Marias. Hospital appointment. <laughs> Craig Marias is also here. Hello, Craig. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Hi, everyone. Very good. So much to talk about uh, over the midweek. Uh, as usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Uh, let's quickly start with, uh, because we heard, heard Gareth Southgate at the beginning, uh, let's quickly talk about the England squad. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Bob, gets his first full uh, call-up to the squad and uh, well-deserved as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Couldn't not pick him, could he, on that form? The form so far this season and towards the end of last season, he's been an absolute revelation. Do you reckon, uh, do mean, you reckon, he's, do you reckon he's England's best header of the ball? Um... No, I don't think so. No. Um, but uh, his touch uh, for the goal against uh, in the um, Carabao Cup midweek uh, was Messi-esque, wasn't it? A- absolutely. I mean, to have the confidence to do that, I mean, he was probably a little bit lucky. He got it absolutely spot on. But to, but for to be that confident, it shows he's absolutely flying. And I think he's got great potential. You know, I looked at his stats. He was a player I always liked three or four years ago, ran around a lot, caused a lot of chaos, but hardly ever scored. Mm. And I, I, I checked his stats. And I mean, in 2016, 17, he scored one goal in 11 games. Next year, he scored eight in 44, then eight in 38. Now, this is a striker. That's not very good. 
But last year, he scored 15 in 41, and this year, he scored eight in five. Now, that's, a pretty, that's, that's going up faster than the, than the virus, isn't it? That, the, the trajectory. I mean, that is full lockdown for defences. Brilliant stuff. It. So, is it, is it something Carlo Ancelotti has done? Because it does coincide with his arrival. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and I guess the class players in the side also helps. But uh, also called up to the England squad, Harvey Barnes, Buka, Bukayo Saka of Arsenal. Interesting, eh, Arvin? Oh, definitely. I think uh, Southgate has really gone with the form players, really players that are doing well for their clubs. Like what Bob said, honestly, I, I've said this on the shows many a times, Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, is the most improved player under Carlo Ancelotti at Everton. He's improved leaps and bounds. Harvey Barnes looks is such a different attacking option compared to the other players that he, he has. He's, he's able to play on both sides, the left, the right, even through the middle. Bukayo Sako as well. One, and and Bukayo Sako's assist rate in terms of, he doesn't get that many minutes for Arsenal, but the amount of assists that he contributes shows what, what an impactful player he is. Yeah. So cre- credit to, to, to Gareth here. Phil Foden, Greenwood, not there. Harry Maguire as well, still from the court case and all that stuff that's happening, but it's, it's come back now. So, Southgate has got it right. Uh, it's, it's, it's an enlarged squad, 30-man squad, where yeah. eventually you feel he will trim it down a little bit, but no complaints on the squad that, that uh, Southgate has, has chosen here. All right. England play Wales, Belgium, and Denmark. Uh, international football next week. We'll, we'll have ample time to talk about that. The Champions League draw happened last night. And Craig Marias, Manchester United have a heck of a group here with Paris Saint-Germain, RB Leipzig, and uh, Istanbul in the Champions yeah. League group. <laughs> tough, tough group. Um, you know, not, not what any team wants, to be honest with you, um, especially United. Uh, but, you know, we've been in PSG before, uh, away, last time we faced them. Um, so, so I think the boys will be confident despite uh, PSG's run last season. Um, and, and Leipzig, you know, uh, always going to be a tough opposition uh, being in German side. We know they, they knocked out Spurs last season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've sold Timo Werner. Um, if, the, if their centre-back stays, uh, Upa, Upa Camego, Upa if I'm Mikano, saying that right. Upa yeah. Upa um, You know, if he stays, you know, there's still you know, a few days left there. He's been linked with move away. Um, you know, if, if they do get weakened, it's, it's still, it's still going to be a tough uh, fixture. Um, mm. don't, don't get me wrong. But you, you would think, you know, if United in the next three days um, sort out their transfer, uh, transfers, uh, regardless if it's a panic buy or not, if they manage to sort out the two or three signings that they need, um, you know, they'll be looking at that and say, well, we can definitely finish in the top two um, in that group. Um, and, and, you know, that secures them a pass. Into next I don't understand how every other club has done their business and done their yeah. business yeah, so yeah, well. Yeah. Oh, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's it, it is frustrating. But you can... The, the only thing that I will take from it is that you, you, you're not talking about a £30 million player. You're not talking about a £20 million signing or anything like that. Yeah, we did yeah, the yeah. £30 million, yeah, we did the 30 million pound yeah. business. Yeah. yeah, we did the £30 million business without everyone actually catching on to that. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which I, w- I was quite happy. But this, you're talking about over £100 million. Uh, pounds, uh, I tell you what, the, the, talk of, take a little bit more. the talk of Cavani on a free is pretty exciting. 
tasty, very tasty. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, you know, I was speaking to a few friends about that and that is he over, over the hill and all that. It doesn't really matter because he's, he's there to play backup. Yep. Um, Igalo leaves in January uh, back to China. Well, if you we can get him. He's gonna go back. <laughs> yeah, we assume he's going to go back to China. Um, and, and Cavani's not a bad foil to have. You know, I don't think Igalo's cutting it. Um, at Champions League level, at, at the Premier League level. I yep. mean, he's good for, you know, your Carabao Cups and everything. But Cavani, what a signing. He would be, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Bob, other Champions League groups. Uh, Liverpool are along in Group D, along with Ajax, Atalanta and Midtjylland. They should be quite happy about that group, shouldn't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think United have got the toughest uh, draw of the uh, Premier League clubs. Real Madrid's group uh, also looks quite nice. Group B, um, Real, Yeah, although I don't think there really is a group of death this year. There group, usually is. Group G, uh, group, maybe. Well, United's is... Uh, yeah, United's is, is the could, toughest could be, could be rather death, deathly for them. <laughs> but um, depends on... RB Leipzig, I think that one, whether they can hang on to their players or not. True. Uh, Liverpool, they should, uh, they should stroll through that. Um, although Atalanta um, are obviously a dangerous team. I mean, look what happened last year. Although they have been selling players, unfortunately. So the dream could be over for them. Mm. Um, and uh, City have got a, a fairly routine-looking group. Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid, yes, Real Madrid is um, is kind of tasty. Uh, they're into Milan, and Real Madrid will be favoured to get through from that one. And uh, Bayern and Atletico Madrid from Group A. Yeah. That looks uh, that looks fairly routine. I mean, yeah. Salzburg and Lokomotiv Moscow, the other two teams in that. So I don't think we can expect too many fireworks in this. And the critics of this format will have their day and say it's boring. And all that, unless one of the big boys gets knocked out or something. Mm. But um, it'll provide some interesting games. And uh, yeah, I think United have got to work quite hard to get through. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, quick last word about the Champions League group, Arvin. Uh, group G pairs the two goats together. Messi against Ronaldo. Juve, Barcelona, Dinamo Kiev and Ferenc Varos. Yes. Um first time ever paired in the group stage for both Messi and Ronaldo. There's another story to that. There's a story of Arthur and Pjanic going in, in opposite directions as well. So if there's ever a time for fans to really appreciate these two greatest, um, potentially greatest of all time, it is this, this occasion. So it's going to be a real battle for, for, for those, but you would expect a routine for both Barcelona and Juventus to go through. But I've, I've been analysing all the groups, really. I honestly feel the Real Madrid group is the toughest group. You've got Inter Milan that finished second last season. You've got Shakhtar that reached the semi-finals of the Europa League. And you've got Mochen Gladbach, who were fourth in, in the Bundesliga. You've got established, established European players. So in my view, the Madrid group is the toughest, followed by the Man United group second. All right. Brilliant stuff. Uh, they're all due to start October 20th, 21st. The Champions League group stage matches. Let's hope it all happens without any hitch. Fingers crossed. All right. Midweek also saw the Carling Cup last 16 ties. We're just going to talk through a few of them for you. Bob, on Tuesday, Spurs won Chelsea, one Spurs win 5-4 on penalties, including an Eric Dyer toilet break. 
Uh, yeah, well, that seems to be the, uh, the headline item, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't say much for the rest of the game. <laughs> did, did Jose uh, also need the toilet? Because he ran just well, straight, didn't he? <laughs> I, I don't know if he was worried that uh, he was going to uh, run off and catch a bus down the Seven Sisters Road or something. <laughs> one, one player did that, you know, at Fulham. I think it was Fulham and QPR once. Um, a guy actually... Uh, went and, and caught a bus outside what, the ground. had enough and just stormed off? Yeah, he was taken off. I think he, oh, okay. he was substituted. <laughs> and well, he was did, so disgusted. He got his kit and then just went off. You know, didn't Saul Campbell think this... do something similar? Yeah. Oh, he didn't come out at all, did he? <laughs> Saul Campbell. Yeah, I mean, at half-time, he just packed up and left. Yeah, left he the left ground. the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, as far as anyway, he... he's playing. He's playing out of his skin, Dyer. I yeah. mean, he's he's one of their best players since yeah. the restart, isn't he? Yep. Since yep. the Pen since the start. Since the penalty aside, the penalty aside last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, on, on Wednesday, Arvin Everton for West Ham won. Uh, that hat trick was probably the one that that clinched it for Dominic Calvert Lewin, as far as Gareth Southgate was concerned. But yeah, impressive. 4-1. Uh, oh. Everton can't do any wrong at the moment. It was buoyant. It was commanding. Um, I read an online article where we remember the days that Andrei Shevchenko played so well under Carlo Ancelotti at Milan. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the Andrei Shevchenko for Ancelotti <laughs> under Everton. I mean, that, 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 that take on, like what, what Bob said, that yeah. take on for that first goal showed so much of confidence. But besides that, I thought there were really a lot of other positives for Everton as well. John Joe Kenny had a run out. He's come back from his time at Schalke. Michael Keane is growing in importance. Fabian Delph had an opportunity to kind of take care and then shield the back four. And again, everything goes through James Rodriguez. I mean, what an inspiring signing. Oh, so mm. many chances they created because of James. The only blight that they had from that game was that there were small knocks for Allen and Richarlison. They cannot afford to not be with those type of players going into the next game before the international break. So they need to make sure that Alan and, um, and Richarlison are fit. But otherwise, all positive around for Everton. Yeah, question right marks on, on those two because they did go off and they look injured. Um, second win for Man United in Brighton, Craig Marias. 3-0 this time. Uh, shadow squad, but second clean sheet for Dean Henderson. Yeah, and a, and a really big and important save, uh, most importantly. Um, yeah, you know, I watched, I watched the match and, you know, the first half was a little bit dull apart from that McTominay, uh, McTominay goal, which was a fantastic ball by Juan Mato, who uh, was the best player on the pitch by, by a country mile. Um, and, and it was a really, really good header um, from, from Scott McTominay. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, I mean, there's nothing can really look uh, too much into because, you know, 10 changes from the side that played Brighton over the weekend, uh, with Lindelof, the only player keeping his place. Um, but, you know, I still look at, look at that side. I mean, Donny van der Beek, fantastic. Um, I, I thought he was really impressive yet again. Um, so, you know, he must be really pushing for a start in the Premier League. I'm sure his agent's uh, you know, <laughs> kind, of, kind of panicking in that one. He's got a lot um, to but, say, hasn't he? Yeah, he does. Uh, but but just looking, you know, further into 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 that performances, and you know, I think you know some question marks will still be raised uh, about players like Dan James, who you know started, still didn't do enough, you know, to convince that 
you know, or really push for a place um, in the starting eleven for for the Premier League and with the Champions League looming. Um, you know, Fred I thought was disappointing in the centre of the park. Um, Dallow at right back, I still have question marks about. Um, so, so there's still, uh, you know, with three days left in, in the transfer window, there's still a lot of work for United to be done. Whether it will be done or not is, is a different question. I mean, we know that they're after a right winger, um, but is that the only thing that needs solving? I don't think so. Mm. Um, I think there are a few more um, holes that need to be plugged in that team. Um, and there, I think there's some, some plays that still need to be moved on. And I think that's the problem with United. Um, you know, you, we keep talking about buying and buying and buying, and that's all you know, good and, and everything. But what about the the plays that need to be shipped out? You know, your Chris Smalling, he's been linked with a move to Roma. The whole uh, the whole transfer window that still hasn't materialised. You got Marcus Rojo, you know, sent him out on loan. He's come back, you know, still there. You know, yeah. Phil Jones question marks about him. I mean, there's, there's so many Andreas Pereira meant to be joining Lazio. You know, that's still not done. So. You know, it's it, it's all good. You know, blaming the club and not signing plays, but you know, like every business, you know, you kind of need to sell uh, before you bring players in, and um, that's the reality of it. All right. Uh, elsewhere in the Carabao Cup, Brentford beat Fulham three nil. Aston Villa lost at home to Stoke City one nil. So the quarterfinal draw: Bob Holmes, Stoke against Tottenham. Brentford against Newcastle. Arsenal's reward for winning on penalties at Anfield is a home tie against Man City. The standout one, huh? Yeah. Um, Arsenal in the cup, eh? Um, <laughs> 100% record for Arteta. Uh, yeah, they were a bit, I thought they were a bit fortunate. Um, I think Liverpool basically uh, bossed the game. I mean, it was a radically changed uh, side. Nine changes, only Van Dijk and... Mo Salah started and they were taken off early early on. Um, so, and Klopp didn't seem too upset about it. Uh, I mean, if they're going to get knocked out of anything, this, this is the tournament to, mm. to say goodbye to. But having said that, the, the youngsters, the fringe players, will miss the opportunity to, uh, to showcase their talents uh, in subsequent rounds. That's the the usefulness of the Carabao Cup. I mean, the likes of Curtis Jones mm. and even Harry Wilson got a run out, yeah. unfortunately missed a penalty. Um, but uh, it was another look at Minamino, Jota, uh, valuable minutes on the field for those guys because, you know, they're not regular starters. So Liverpool will miss that. But then you've got the Champions League starting almost immediately. So I should think they will get quite a few uh, quite a few games. Um, yeah, Arsenal, I think, a bit fortunate, but it was a much-changed Arsenal side as well, to be fair. But they were organised. They're always organised now under Arteta, which they never used to say that, had we? Um, and all credit to them. But, uh, but you have to get... I think the man of the match was definitely Bernd Leno. Mm. I mean, he, he, made, he made four world-class saves. And two very good penalty saves as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And I never really rated him until last season. I thought he improved a lot last season. Then he got injured and Martinez came in. And having that, that competition, I think, for the keeper's jersey probably did something to him. But he, he was brilliant last night. Absolutely brilliant. All right. Everton versus Man United wraps up your uh, Carabao Cup quarterfinal draw. 
Uh, matches played on the 21st of December. First break, back, and we will start our weekend preview next. That's it. It's all over. This is a big win. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Has come up with uh, something beyond ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Arvin Sidhu and Craig Marias looking forward to match day four of the EPL. Our early kickoff, Arvin Sidhu, sees Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. Frank Lampard's side have just four points on the board after three games. They've spent a lot of money in the transfer window. I mean, for me, all eyes on Thiago Silva in this one. Do you reckon he'll be able to keep Wolf Zaha quiet? He's gonna, he's gonna, she's gonna struggle with that pace, really, isn't he, Ross? But I mean, it's been a tough, tough week or so for Lampard. You ship three goals against West Bromwich Albion. You get knocked out in the cup. Uh, it's not, it's not going as smoothly as he would have wanted. Um, there's pressure slowly creeping up. It doesn't matter if they go out and they hammer Crystal Palace. It doesn't matter if they score a goal from a deflection. The most important bit for Lampard right now is you're at a home game against Palace. It's a London derby. You need to win. Regardless how you do it, you need to win. And, and that's without saying because the longer this goes on, the more it's going to come on to him. And you can see it already in his demeanour. He's not going out there. He's not, he's not trying to get his players up. At times, he's just seated on his, on his chair. He doesn't seem very interested. So, Lampard has to get the win this weekend because if he doesn't, it's, it's gonna, it, I don't think so it's going to work well. Obviously, there are some things that are, are improving for them. Pulisic as well as Hakim Ziyech look like they are both coming close to to, to appearing this season. Uh, Werner got off the mark on the week as well. He scored when they, even though they were knocked out. They would hope that he continues to score. Um, but yeah, I, I assume that they would win this weekend, but just barely because performances haven't been great so far. Hmm. Um, the opponents and Craig Marias. Uh, Crystal Palace, I mean, yeah. they, they, they won away at Old Trafford first game. They can, can only be the second team, I believe, to win their second away game at Stamford Bridge, then completing the Old Trafford Stamford Bridge in your first two away games. I think Sunderland lasted that way back. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, it'll be a massive feat, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, they, they've started the season off well, obviously took advantage um, of, you know, Man United's lack of preparation uh, coming into the season. Uh, I thought, you know, Played very well in that game. Uh, followed that up, um, but I think it, uh, they followed. I think it was Southampton. They played uh, straight after that, um, and they got they got a good win. Um, uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know what to make of this Crystal Palace side. I mean, for me, they're your typical yo-yo side. You know, you'll get a couple of good results, you know, and then they'll be followed up, um, you know, with, with results that you you know you don't expect them to lose, but they'll lose. Um, I still think there's there's question marks defensively about them. Mm. Um, um, you know, I know that they've, they've had a few injuries here and there. Um, Sacco's back, but you know, he's nowhere near the player that that Liverpool signed um, early on um, after his injuries. Um, offensively, I think they, they, they have improved. Um, you know, getting back Shoye on loan, I think it's a massive coup for them. Um, but the future uh, of Wilf Zaha will still loom over them, you know, and, yeah. and I think Roy Hodgson can't wait um, for, for Monday to be over because. 
um, you know, until that transfer window is closed. Will Saha, I mean, we all know he wants to leave Crystal Palace and, and you know, he has bigger aspirations than that, which is fair enough for what he's given the club. Um, but until that transfer window is over, you know, Roy Hodgson won't be sleeping easily. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, as we've seen as well, you know, don't, don't be surprised if you suddenly see Wolf Zaha's name not on the team sheet. Because if there is mm. some negotiations that's going on, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and we're very close to the transfer deadline, um, if, you know, if a club does come in for him and there, there are negotiations, don't be surprised if Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson decide to leave him out. And, and this is just to protect... Um, you know, the asset, which is Will Sahar, mm. um, to prevent him from injury. So that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I just quickly, I know, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I just want to touch on, on Chelsea. Uh, I think with, with Lampard and, and Arvin's right, you know, under a lot of pressure um, early on in the season, we expected that. You, you spend money, you, you've got to expect that. But where he, he really lacks for me and what he's shown uh, is that I just don't think he's tactically adept. Uh, right now, I think he's really struggling tactically, and and there were hints of this when he was at Derby. Everyone said at Derby, you know, this was the case. He's not there tactically. He's a good man manager, uh, but you know, he just doesn't cut it uh, tactically. And 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 I think he's getting found out a little bit here. Um, oh. And it's no coincidence. And it's no coincidence that the three goal scorers that scored against West Brom were players that he had last season. It's none of the new boys that have been chipping in. It's it, it you know it's Hudson Odoi, it was uh, Tammy Abraham and it was Mason Mount and and these were the three players who you know have question marks over their over their place in the squad mm. with all the new signings coming in. All right, well, Michi Bachwai won't be available for Palace against his parents. Oh club. shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, um, but um, we expect Bob Holmes, uh, Mendy, the goalie, and maybe Ben Chilwell will will, will make their league debuts. I mean. Uh, Werner got off the mark in midweek. So, looking on the bright side, I mean, they've still got some quality players there, Lampard, at his disposal, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the consolation he has is that he he just has so many to choose from and he can mix and match and hopefully still uh, find the right formula. Uh, And then, uh, as we mentioned there, um, Zayek and Pulisic are getting close to coming back. I don't think they're quite ready, certainly not to start this weekend, but possibly a place on the bench for one of them. Um, We haven't seen uh, Zayek at all, but uh, he looked very good for Ajax uh, the previous season. And uh, Pulisic was the star player for Chelsea um, towards the end of last season, before he got injured anyway. Um, so, uh, I don't, it's not all gloom and doom, um, and they may yet get another player in over the weekend, uh, and they may ship one or two out. They got, Mm. uh, they shipped out Ross Barkley in midweek to Aston Villa. Good for Villa. Good for Chelsea, I think, because they do have too many players in that position, uh, attacking midfielders. They have a surfeit of those, and I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two more. Uh, make the exit door. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting, but uh, I think the spotlight will be on uh, Thiago Silva, possibly <laughs> yeah. more than anyone, yeah. because agree. he had a fairly disastrous start, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, because um, Lampard will be making a statement if he doesn't pick Thiago Silva for this one. You, yeah, you know what I mean? Your, your brand new yeah. signing, yeah? Yeah, captain and, exactly. and all that. Um, no, I mean, he was just a bit lackadaisical with that. I uh, wasn't expecting to be challenged there. He, d- he doesn't get challenged like that in the French League. <laughs> um, 
you know, and, they'll and lost be the ball. farmers, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it was all, it was rather embarrassing, but um, you know, he didn't quite look up to the pace anyway. Apart from that, um, so yeah, it was a, always a gamble, big gamble, mm. getting him. Um, um, you know, uh, not that they had to pay a fee for him, but they're paying a, a hefty wage, and they got him rather than go for someone else. Yep. So you know, um, I don't know if they're going to have a last-minute panic and try and find another centre-back from somewhere. But uh, you wouldn't put anything past uh, Chelsea. I mean, they've got the resources. But, yeah, fascinating. Just another subplot in this great Premier League season. Um, what's happening at Chelsea? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's the early kickoff on Saturday. Then Chelsea, Crystal Palace, 7.30 p.m. Uh, 10 p.m. sees Everton taking on Brighton. It's all going swimmingly, Arvin, for Everton at the moment. James Rodriguez is slipping into that midfield and looking like quality. Uh, the only question marks is maybe injuries over Allen and, and uh, Richarlison, uh, thanks to the midweek win. But apart from that, Everton look pretty strong, don't they? They do. And another very key part of this is I was looking at some stats. They've only lost once in the last 14 at Goodison Park. To make Goodison Park a fortress is so important to Everton. I mean, of course, we did. there are no fans now, but when eventually fans come back, that will be, will, will be a record that they will be happy to have. He's building from the back, Ross. I mean, we, we talk about Richarlison, we talk about James Rodriguez and, and Dominic Calvert, and that's great. But he's been able to also solidify a spine that works. Yes, there's some doubts about Jordan Pickford, and there have been for a while. But other than that, their centre-backs, Luka Dino at, at left-back, um, See, they, they, they are a team that knows how to build from the back and then let their flair players go out and express themselves. So really, um, against Brighton, uh, yes, I thought Brighton was unlucky to lose to Man United due to that last-minute call, but it, it, it was what it is. Uh, Everton, right now, 100% record. I expect them to continue that. All right. Well, I tell you what, Brighton also have a Colombian superstar, not a lot of people know that. <laughs> Craig Marias, I'm talking about Steven Alzate. Born in Camden Town of Colombian parents. Apparently, he's got a couple of Colombian caps. Uh, he, he, the second cap he got, he wore the number 10 shirt because James Rodriguez was injured, I believe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he probably the only, only chance he's ever going to get that. <laughs> but he started every game for Brighton this season. And he actually, he looks solid at Brighton. Let's face it, Brighton were unlucky to lose to Man United the way they did. Yeah, um, he's been one of the key performers for them, but not the only one. I mean, I think, you know, you, you look at Brighton and, you look, okay, yes, they lost to Chelsea, they lost to Man United. Um, but if you look at the performances and really analyse it, um, I, I think they've been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, there was a big uh, debate or, um, you know, amongst Brighton fans themselves, you know, when they, they make that decision to get rid of Hewton um, and bring in the inexperienced uh, Graham Potter. Uh, but what a decision that's been. And, and this has been a change within the club that's been happening over a few years now. First, it was um, Dan Ashton that they got um, you know, to, to come and, and kind of oversee the, the whole you know, a Brighton revolution, if you want to call it. Um, but it was the club slowly evolving. Now they've got a young, talented manager who has a philosophy. Uh, he has an identity of how Brighton are going to play. He, he's bought players in the right areas. I mean, you know... We, we talk about Alzate, one of the standout performers, but, you know, you look at people like Trossard, yeah, who's Trossard been absolutely fantastic for them this, yeah. this season. You, you look at the back end, 
uh, Tariq Lamptey, what a signing, a free transfer from Chelsea, no experience in the Premier League, um, bar a sub's appearance. Um, but, you know, what a, what a performer he's been. You know, there's even talk of buying Munich. Club I know, yeah, buying um, you know, Yeah, and he's only been at Brighton for about eight months now, eight, nine months. Um, it, it's absolutely remarkable. And, and, you know, you look throughout the team and, you know, it's been, a, you know, you look at people like Dan Burn up from the lower leagues, yeah. um, Webster as well. Um, so, so there have been, you know, Ben White obviously had a stand-up um, season with Leeds and, you know, they, they did everything in their power to keep him. So he's built a very good team at, at that, playing in a very good system. He's allowing the flair players to, to kind of evolve. Let's not forget about Neil Mopai up front, yeah. Um, who, yeah. who's been leading the line, Connolly alongside him. It, it, it's just a really good system. Now, the results maybe haven't reflected that, but I think Brighton will be more than okay. I, I'm, I'm targeting them for a top 10 finish. All right, brilliant stuff. There will be goals. Everton against Brighton is a Saturday 10 p.m. kickoff. We're off for another break. Back with Leeds versus Man City next. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. We wondered if he'd make a difference. So he beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Arvin Sidhu and Craig Marias taking a look at match week four. Is it four? In the BPL? Yes, it yes. is. <laughs> um, as usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, we also have uh, videos up every week. Do check out our YouTube channel, TFIF on Video. Right, on we go then to Leeds United against Manchester City. It's a Sunday half past midnight kickoff. Uh, Jack Harrison obviously won't be allowed to play against his parent club here. Um, Arvin Sidhu, I'm coming to you first. I know this one's going to have a lot of goals. Yep, in a season that's absolutely gone bonkers. I think it's 103 goals in like 28 games. Expect goals in this one. I mean... Bielsa has already come out and, and praised Pep on his press conference and said that his Barcelona's team was one of the best ever in history because at that time, uh, Bielsa was at Atletico Bilbao. Uh, it's a battle of game plans. Game plans which are very similar. Pressing high, dominating possession, suffocating territories. Uh, but yeah, Jack Harrison will be a miss for Leeds. He's, he's really been one of those players that when we picked him up, there were a lot of concerns about his end product, but it's improved by up by leaps and bounds and he's on another loan at Leeds but City have agreed to sell him next season so that bodes well for Leeds and the funny thing is with Bielsa is that uh, with him lineups are not something that he would just tell you on the day he'll tell you two days before the press conference so Alioski comes in for, for Jack Harrison Alioski is, is a dynamite of a player he's an energizer bunny that goes up and down the only concern that they will have is that Alioski doesn't have the discipline that Jack Harrison does with tracking back. Mm. So that's something that Leeds have to look out for. But yeah, as you said, expect goals in this. City still don't have a recognised striker. Uh, both their strikers are out. Uh, but I know Bernardo Silva is back. Uh, Ruben Diaz potentially could have his debut. But I expect goals in this all around. Yeah, Bob Holmes, speaking of Ruben Diaz, uh, Pep Guardiola only went out and spent $65 million. Uh, on Benfica's centre-back. He's only in his early 20s. So, uh, may, you, you could say maybe not the polished article. Uh, a lot's expected of him, isn't it? 
it is for that money. That's uh, another club record fee. Uh, they've spent over four hundred million pounds on defenders alone in Pep's time, which is incredible, really. I mean, they've only spent half as much of, of that as that uh, in um, up front and, uh, and on midfielders, and yet they still can't get it right at the back. Uh, I mean, Vincent Company was a big loss, but. Vincent Company hardly played, you know, in that season when they uh, stormed to the title and got 100 points. Um, so I think that's been a bit uh, sort of overemphasized, the loss of, of Company. Um, they never had a, a watertight defense anyway. Um, and this is something Pep doesn't do. I mean, even at Barcelona, although he had uh, Puyol and, and Piquet at their best, um, they, they still were a little bit dodgy at the back. And he doesn't seem to bother about that. It's as if, as long as we're scoring four or five up front, it doesn't matter if we let the odd one in. Well, you can't really do that in the Premier League. I mean, he did it for two seasons when he had uh, David Silva still and uh, Aguero was just about at his best and everything went for them. But... And, in, and teams were just overwhelmed by City's passing. But now he, uh, one or two players have left, notably Silva, and Fernandinho has got older, and they're being a bit found out. Teams are no longer afraid of them. They're mm -hmm. going at them. The counter-attacking. They are no longer winning the ball back. They used to win the ball back very, very quickly. And that's why teams could never get at, the, at their defence last season and in he's 36 years old um so yeah they're not as good as they were and to expect a young guy from the portuguese league uh, portugal produced some fantastic players who've never been outside of portugal before and uh i'm not sure that you know this is going to work he may need a, a season to adjust to the pace and all that and pep can't afford that not with liverpool or running away with it. You can't afford another season coming 18 points behind. Um, so this, a lot is riding on this. Uh, make no mistake about that. The fans are all, already sort of calling Pep a fraud and, uh, you know, he's not as good as he's cracked up to be. Fans have got very short memories. City played some of the best football ever seen in England for two seasons. And now they want Pep out, some of them anyway. I mean, that, that's the nature of, of fandom. But he is in a little bit of trouble because the other clubs have strengthened. And if he loses this to a newly promoted team, the knives are going to be out. I'm not saying they're going to sack him. No way are they going to sack him. You can see that. You know, he's becoming more and more of a mad scientist on the, in, on the touchline. So what his answer is going to be with only three days left in the, in the transfer window I'm not sure, but it, it's going to be fascinating to watch this because it's master against pupil. Yeah, apologies there. Uh, Bob's breaking in and out, internet connections and all that. Leeds versus Man City is a Sunday half past midnight kickoff. Uh, Man United versus Spurs is a Sunday 11.30 kickoff and Craig Marias both clubs boosting midweek wins Spurs even had uh, an outing in the Europa League where 
They won 7-2 against Maccabi Haifa. So they may be a little bit more tired as they go into this one against Man United. Yeah, I actually kind of feel for Spurs um, coming into this. The, the, the fixture schedule is absolute joke, uh, the one that they've been handed. I mean, uh, the, the amount of, of games that they play in, in such a short period of time, it, it's crazy. They played on, uh, I think it was on Sunday last week, and then they played on, on Tuesday, uh, then again last night, and then they're going to play Sunday again. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's going to show um, on, on the players' bodies. And, and Sun, obviously, as we know, uh, got injured last week. Uh, funnily enough, um, you know, after the match last night, you know, when they, when they asked Mourinho about Son's injury, um, he didn't exactly rule Son Heung-min out no. of the fixture, which, which you know, I mean, it could be mind games and, and however you want to read it. I it. hope it is but, uh, because I just sold him from my fantasy football team. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? You along with a lot, a lot of <laughs> exactly. others. Exactly. I'm sure. Because when I saw uh, that, I was like, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a half time with Joel as well. Um, you know, the things that they have uh, with the doctors, and you know, in terms of you know, cryo and and all these different uh, not medicines, but you know, kind of solutions that you have uh, to to cater for football injury and, and muscle muscle injuries, especially, it is amazing. It, it really amuses you know oxygen tents and chambers and all yeah. all this nonsense which you've heard before. But it, you know the fact of the matter is that it actually speeds up recovery. So um, don't be don't be surprised if Song Heung-min is in the squad or at the bench at the very least, um, because you know it, it's a big moral booster to have one of the best players there. Um, you know, just go back to, to to Spurs again. You know, I know I'm harping on a lot about Spurs, but you know Kane scored again. You know uh, last night, yes, against weaker opposition, but it's a big moral booster for him to score. Um, you know, a hat trick as well. Um, Dele Ali's got a goal. I don't know how much that's going to, uh, you know, work his way to, to Mourinho's thinking. Um, but, you know, it's good for him that he may, even if it was a penalty. Um, but for, from United's point of view, it's a big fixture. It really is, you know. After that first opening day, or for, for United, opening day loss uh, to Crystal Palace at home, you know, they, they, they're really playing catch-up straight away. Um, so it's an important game for them. It's a game where, you know, the, there have been doubts about Solskjaer, um, at, at, you know, since he's been in the job. Uh, but now, you know, he's been there for about 18 months now. Um, so, so this is where the pressure really gets in. He's had a few transfer windows. Yes, you know, there, there are a few more days to get a few more players in. But, you know, he, he's under pressure this season. He has to deliver, um, you know, a trophy of some sort in my, in my eyes. Champions League is a must. Um, a good run in there as well. Um, and, and, you know, you know there's certain players in the first 11 who haven't performed, you know, Pompa being one of them, you know, yep. I thought he was disappointing last week against Brighton. Um, he, he, you know, big matches, you expect him to stand up and, and, and be counted. So it's going to be a fasc fascinating match between both teams, not to add in the, the, the rival, rivalry that Jose Mourinho will bring to this fixture. Mm. Um, it, it's going to be a blockbuster of a match. All right, uh, the knives will be out for Solskjaer if Jose pulls one off here. Man United versus Spurs is a Sunday, 11.30 p.m. kickoff. Also talk about Spurs signing Carlos Vinicius from Benfica on loan. Uh, so, yeah, should be an interesting game, that one. Uh, final break then. Come back with Aston Villa and Liverpool and more. Lovely football, speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. 
two-goal lead, a picture for goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Arvin, Bob and Craig here taking a look at Aston Villa against Liverpool. This one is your, your late, late game on Sunday, 2.15, Monday morning kickoff this one. Aston Villa, Arvin Sidhu, have added Ross Barkley to the ranks. Uh, it's an astute signing. If you look at all the signings Villa have made, uh, they've all been quite good. And they, they you know, very clever moves and, and the form as well is, is looking good so far. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, Dean Smith has learned from last season where he went out and bought literally close to an entire squad. This season, they've been a bit more focused in their recruitment. And, and what a bet... What, who, when a better time for Ross Barkley than to face his old enemy. An Evertonian boy going up against Liverpool. Um, early parts of the season for Villa, what worked so well for them last season was John McGinn and Grealish working in tandem. And when McGinn went off injured, a lot of part of their season last season went away because he, he took away that stability that they needed. John McGinn, I think, has, has started really the season really well. Grealish, we know, can turn it up at any time. Uh, and up front, Ollie Watkins, for me, um, will score goals even at this level because the boy has really, really developed over the last couple of years. So in, in over sense, Villa, encouraging start. Yes, they've only played two so far, but encouraging. Dean Smith looks to be a bit more stable this year with his buys. So it bodes well, but uh, at home against a Liverpool squad that's rampaging right now, still a big ask on the day. Rampaging is the right word. They've got 85 goals on the way to the title last season. They've already got nine, Bob Holmes, in three games this season. You'd expect a a Liverpool win, but I'm thinking Villa will put up a bit of a fight here. Yes, uh, they did last season. Uh, It was one of those games where Liverpool were losing uh, with about two minutes to go and ended up winning. Um, You know, that was in November, I believe, and it was that sort of performance that made you think it was Liverpool's year. But actually, they were a little bit lucky, and Villa put up a very good fight. And this was, a, this was when Villa were down in the bottom uh, reaches of the, of the league. So, um, and now they've transformed their team. Um, I've read where it said that Villa have won the transfer window. Well, they've certainly bought astutely. They haven't spent a huge amount of money. The most expensive recruit is Ollie Watkins at 28 million, but they've got a very good goalkeeper, Emiliano Martinez, for just 20 million from Arsenal. We all saw how good he was at the end of last season, the beginning uh, of the uh, restart. Um, So I think they've done great business. Uh, but it's going to take a bit of time for them to blend in the new signings. And I wonder, although I think that Ross Barclay on loan is quite an astute signing, I just wonder whether there's room for Barclay, McGinn and Grealish in the same team. Because they are all attacking midfielders, create, creative players, aren't they? Um, but uh, still, Barclay, even if he's only going to be a, uh, a part-timer, um, he, I think he's a good he's a good buy, and it's certainly good for him because he wasn't getting regular starts at uh, Chelsea, Liverpool. Well, the the usual team will be back um, this time. They only um, they uh, they experimented uh, last night 
with a lot of fringe players. Uh, it'll be business as usual. And you would expect them to prevail. Um, they may have to work a bit harder than, uh, than usual, but they, they really are a class act. Um, they came from behind against Arsenal last week, and Arsenal are a lot better side than Villa. Um, so I would still say that this has got a Liverpool victory written all over it. Yeah, I'm going to go even deeper than that. Craig, uh, if you're fantasy football, um, you'd captain Saido Mane. He's, had, he's got six in six against Villa. He likes scoring against the villains. Yeah, you know, you always get these players that, you know, have a team that they always score against or have a good record against. You know, I remember it was Wayne Rooney against Newcastle, you know, every single time. Um, but, you know, I, I just feel, you know, just, just touching on what Bob said, what... Um, what really, what I really like about this Villa side and what has changed from last season is the defensive aspect. And now we know John Terry is one of the assistant managers. How much of influence he's had on that back line, um, I'm not so sure. But post-lockdown, since post-lockdown, they've done absolutely fantastically uh, from a defensive point of view, which was their problem um, you know, prior to, to, to the season break um, last year. So, um, you know, they've shored that up. Like Bob said, you know, got a very good goalkeeper in now. Um, and they're starting to look uh, collectively as, as a really solid outlet uh, outfit at the back. So I don't know if this is a, if this is a game that you'd want to captain um, either Salah or Mane. Um, because, uh, you know, you look around this weekend and a few tasty fixtures about, you know, you, you talk about Kevin De Bruyne and City versus Leeds. You know, that's going to be a very open game. Um, as Arvin said, you know, you're going to expect goals there. Bielsa's not one that's going to sit back, neither is Guardiola. So you've got two attacking teams there. There's going to be a lot of goals in there. So if you have Sterling or De Bruyne, you know, they, they, they should be top of your list. Let's not forget, uh, Arsenal go to, to Sheffield, uh, uh, have uh, Sheffield United at home as well. That's, yeah. that's going to be a very tasty picture. Sheffield United haven't started well. That's also another option. Um, Lacazette's been in form um, since the season has started as well. So there are a few options out there. Um, you know, Timo Werner against Crystal Palace if he plays, um, you know, and, and, and you know, we can't forget Raul Jimenez against uh, a very poor Fulham side. So, so you know, you, you can look at that, you can look at that, the Liverpool-Aston Villa game and, and, you know, lick your lips and, and fancy putting the armband on either Salah or Mane. But I'd have a look around if I were you and, and you know, maybe stay away from that and, and maybe focus more on the City assets that you have. Yeah, leave it on Son, if I were you. <laughs> yes. All right, um, some of the other ties. Uh, we did met uh, Arsenal uh, against Sheffield United. It's a Sunday 9pm kickoff. That one looks very tasty, Arvin. So do, do, do you fancy Sheffield United to get their first point of the season there? They need to score their first goal. They haven't even scored a goal in the game so far. I mean, let alone getting a point, they haven't even scored a goal. But no, uh, last season, I believe, I think Sheffield United took four points over Arsenal. But I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Arsenal look more solid defensively than Sheffield United this season. And that's been a part too. I mean, John Egan was suspended last week. Uh, Jack O'Connell has got surgery and potentially might miss the entire season. So they're missing. But I feel it with Arsenal now, with that back three that he puts, Tierney on the left, Rob Holding on the right, and in the middle, it's always a rotation between David Lewis and Gabriel. It works, it works for Arsenal in that sense. It's their structure. Granit Xhaka, since the debacle of the, his captaincy, has just gone about his business 
in a very quiet manner, very effective manner. It's a throwback to his time with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach that he's actually the player that they thought they purchased back then. Mm. So no, for me, Sheffield United, even before thinking of getting a, a, a point, they need to figure out how to score. And they don't have an out-and-out striker. The out-and-out strikers for them are, are just horrible to watch. They've been linked with Ryan Brewster at Liverpool. If they get him, they might be able to help in that department. But Sheffield United are the classic example, three, three games in, second season syndrome. And Chris Wilder needs to address that very quickly. Sheffield United's shocking front line that Arvin's referring to is David McGoldrick, Ollie McBurney, Billy Sharp, and Oliver Burke. They have to step up, I think. <laughs> that, one, that one is Sunday, 9pm. There's some intriguing ties. We can't, we can't cover them all here. Newcastle take on Burnley, but Bob, Southampton, West Brom could be very interesting, this one. It's difficult to call either way. I can see Billich's side scoring a hatful. Can you? <laughs> um, I don't think Billich can see that. <laughs> uh, okay, they've got three against Chelsea, but um, I think a little, a little bit fluky, taking advantage of a, a dodgy defence and a, certainly a dodgy keeper. But uh, Southampton, I think they've stopped the rot. They got an important mm. away win against Burnley last week. Um, they started the season badly. They were quite uh, confident. There were hopes that uh, they'd be mid-table. Ralph Hassenhutl was being, uh, praise was being sung about him having sorted out their, their season last year, recovering from that 9-0 hammering. Um, and everything seemed to be fine, except the moment they kicked off, things went awry. And he didn't panic. And uh, he won that game. And I think that they'll be all right again now. So I, I don't think there's anything to worry about here. I think they're a class above West Brom. I think it's really between Fulham and West Brom who are the, the, the worst team in the, uh, in the Premier League. Um, Sheffield United, I think they've got a great manager. I think on paper, they're probably down there as one of the weakest teams. But with Chris Wilder, the wonders he performed last year and the wonders he's performed in getting them there in the first place uh, don't rule him out uh, he's a very astute guy he's a, he's a tactically brilliant a great man manager and I, I think Sheffield United may well survive I don't think they'll um, you know they're booked I don't think that they've got the relegation worries that uh, West Brom and Fulham have um, but having said that uh, this um, this game for for Southampton, I think um, no uh, no worries. Southampton to, to beat West Brom for me. And Ross, just a quick one to what uh, Craig had said. He had given great captain choices. Danny Ings captaining him against West Bromwich Albion, another good shot as well. Yeah. Yeah, I sold him in week two. Crazy stuff. <laughs> all right. What? Yeah, that's I know. I know, right? I, I bought Callum Wilson. Yeah. Uh, all it's right. Okay. So that's it for radio. So many games to talk about. We'll, we'll talk about them all on Monday. For now, let me say thanks to the guys. Thank you, Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the football. Thank you, Arvin Sidhu. Thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend. And thanks, Craig Marias. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend and enjoy the football. Indeed. That's it. We're done. We'll spot you Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. 
Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.